Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Kingsway Kickabout. Uh, it's the usual suspects today. Uh, me and Alf, uh, joined also by a special friend of ours, uh, Coventry's resident Welshman, uh, Sharia Ahmed. Hi, everyone. How are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm good. Half half Welshman, right? Half, that's true, yeah. I've got my, my mother's Welsh, uh, my dad isn't. So, uh... We're kind of adopted full Welshman. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I've I've been I've been to Wales a fair amount in my uh, in my time. It's the passion that counts, isn't it, Shiri? Exactly. exactly, exactly. That's that's what really matters. It's uh, buying uh getting a Colin Roberts kit uh, for Christmas. Uh, that's that's the true test of commitment. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's the absolute pride and joy of my wardrobe. Beautiful Wales kit, uh, Roberts on the back. You know, it's. Uh, that, that 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 proves uh, that I'm Welsh more than any kind of you know birth certificate or anything like that. So uh, you know I take that as my marker. It's an absolute beauty of a kit. It's something about like the yellow trim as well. Because like I remember through the Euro 2016 kit or like previous kits when you've had a white trim and it's just a bit boring. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it it works very well together. You know, yellow trim, a little bit of green in there as well. Yeah. Uh, and you know, just just absolutely fantastic kit. The collar as well, absolutely adore the collar. Um, yeah. So you know, hopefully, hopefully we can go on and and do big things with this kit. Maybe take some of that Euro twenty sixteen spirit, uh, and you know, hopefully kick on um, because we've been we've been good so far. We have. Well, uh, you've already um, made some historical memories uh, in your kit so far. Not only. Uh, getting promoted to the, I mean, can we call it the top flight? Is that too ridiculous? Uh, of the Nations League. Anyway, you're in League A. You're in the big boys the next time out. Um, but in turn, uh, you have also basically guaranteed a World Cup playoff uh, for the first time since 1958, um, which obviously uh, you haven't experienced too much of it in your lifetime. But I'm sure that Ireland game is still uh, fresh in your memory. Um, uh, so, yeah, how, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. Um, like you say, you know, we get up to the Euros, uh, which was which was a big one, but to go to the World Cup, you know, the World Cup's the one everyone wants. Yeah. Um, and you know, to get into, you know, to see the lineup in, you know, the, uh, you're right. I think the top flight of the Nations League, you know, there are some of the best teams in world football in there, uh, and you know, Wales is right up there. They deserve to be up there, uh, rubbing shoulders with them. And, you know, essentially, knowing that there is that fallback of the World Cup playoff spot, you know, is, is absolutely fantastic um, for when, when the World Cup does come around. Uh, and, you know what, it's, it's a fantastic feeling. Um, you know, it's, like you say, it's been a very, very long time. Um, certainly not in my lifetime have Wales been a force in the world. And, you know, if, if we go back to the pre-Chris Coleman era, perhaps pre-2012, when I was watching Wales growing up, you know, it's, it's uh, I'm not not ashamed to say that we were a pretty abysmal team. Um, you know, it was, it was there was no real hope for anything. There was no real expectation on us. You know, the players were we didn't have very many special players, and you know, kind of it's 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 good. It's it's different knowing that you have a team that can go out there and win games. Knowing that you have a team with lots of young talent, and kind of knowing that you're a, a respected team now on the international stage. It's it's it gives you a certain sense of pride for sure. And uh, 
It's uh, especially uh, interesting uh, given Wales's uh, newfound form, um, or at least style of play where they've, gr they've been grinding out 1-0 wins and gritty uh, late-minute goals. Um, it's definitely a new-look Wales. I mean, uh, I was listening to a pod the other day uh, with uh, Danny Gabidon, shout out, uh, absolute legend, uh, Premier League match tax legend where he's saying that um, Wales couldn't even play well and win, never mind play poorly and win. But playing poorly and winning, Wales have been uh, recently, especially over the October and September breaks. But this break, especially last night against Finland, a really exciting performance from Wales. Did you watch the game, Sherry? Yeah, I saw the game, um, as you can probably imagine, uh, considering those, those guys who were involved in our goals and the style with which we played in that game you can probably imagine why i was particularly excited um but you're right i think i think there is there is something to be said uh for grinding out wins when you're playing poorly because that's you know that's when it really matters um everyone wins when they're playing well it's not, it sounds obvious but you know it's it's that's that's when it's easy to pick up results that's your tournament football as well yeah exactly um it's you know the difference between whether teams that make it and teams that don't, and the teams that can do something really memorable, is when you're having an off day, when you don't have your best players available to you, when things just aren't clicking. You do you know you you put in a good solid performance at the back, you snatch that goal late on, and you come away with a win. And and you know Wales, you're right, Wales have been doing that, but the game against Finland, I think, showed an entirely different side to us. Um, and I think part of that is down to a move to uh, a new formation. Um, as we see, Ryan Giggs went with a uh, back four, a double pivot in the midfield, and then uh, Kiefer Moore up front with yeah. three men behind him. You know, the traditional four-two-three-one. Hmm. And the problem, I think, that we faced with that was that when Kiefer Moore wasn't playing and when kind of our best players throughout the team weren't playing uh while our defense managed to stay relatively stable um in terms of an attacking transition in terms of kind of penetration in the final third in terms of actually getting racking up goals we really really struggled and without a target man at the front uh in the form of Kiefer Moore uh our attacking play fell to pieces what I think Page has done uh, and has brought in with this kind of uh, the three four three that we have mm. is he's playing very much to the strengths of uh, players like Connor Roberts, players like Daniel James, yeah. Harry Wilson, mm. uh, and in particular a player I'll come on to in a second, Joe Morrell. Uh, what we see, you know, with with players like Roden, with Cabango, Roberts, players who, in the case of Roden, were at Swansea and are at Swansea. Conor Roberts had a similar problem with Swansea that he had for Wales. When he was played in a four-man back line, he struggled at right back. Mm. He, you know, his, his attacking play wasn't that great, his defensive play wasn't that great, and his work rate wasn't really being uh, utilised properly. You see now in this three-man back line where him and Norrington Davis are being used as wing-backs, he has the freedom to kind of rule that right flank, get up and down yeah. and really unlock his athleticism, knowing that he has some defensive cover behind him. And, you know, in terms of the front three, we've seen from Daniel James, a player who's struggled at club level in, in, in recent weeks uh, and recent months, 
uh, absolutely come to life. Uh, we saw him on the right-hand side. We saw him on the left-hand side. We saw him down the centre. And I think, you know, and we saw him really, really crucially playing with both feet. Uh, there's there's this kind of myth that is kind of propagated about Daniel James that, uh, you know, all he'll do is run himself into corners and, you know, he can run the channels fine, but he doesn't really have an end product. Mm-hmm. And what we saw here from him is that, you know what, when he's got the correct support around him, when he's got players that are getting into good positions, Bale and Harry Wilson, unbelievable crossing ability, you know, left and right foot. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful crosses all game. And in the end, you know, Kiefer Moore finished one of them off. Uh, and, you know, in the end, he did manage to get an absolute screamer of a goal. So Daniel James there for, was, for me, absolute man of the match. Fantastic standout performance from Daniel James. Uh, and, of course, Harry Wilson, Kiefer Moore, and uh, Joe Morrell uh, shuttling the ball to more attacking players, making short, simple passes. Nothing, Nothing too spectacular. But, you know, 98% pass accuracy of just short, simple passes to move the ball to more creative players and let the tra- attacking transition flow quickly and get the ball forward quickly. So, you know, against Finland, an absolutely wonderful performance. And I really, really hope that uh, when or if Ryan Giggs does return to the head coach role, uh, this 3-4-3 formation persists because it, it looks to be working. I think the uh, benefit of a three-four-three going forward is twofold. I mean, not only—I mean, obviously, we know that Wales don't play with uh, trad wingers, uh, and uh, both their inside forwards, whether that be Wilson or Bale on the right, and obviously Dan James on the left. So, in a front three with wing backs uh, supporting them, that gives them a lot more freedom, and um, and it also, you know, just makes crosses more effective as well because you can double up. Um, uh, on the flanks with the uh, crosses, if that makes sense. Um, Keith Moore's goal last night is, you know, just strangely reminiscent of two goals that what he scored last year for Wales, uh, away in Slovakia and away in um, Azerbaijan as well. Um, so if we assume that you're taking the 3 4 3 forward, um, Aaron Ramsey question mark uh, is what I have noted there. Because do you think Ramsey uh, will be effective enough in, in a midfield double pivot if he even starts? I think with with uh, that, that that is a point I was going to come on to because we've we've got these performances without our two you know behind Bale, our two best players are in my opinion Aaron Ramsey and Joe Allen, uh, yeah. and you know we haven't had either of them available to us this entire time, um, and ob- it's obvious where Joe Allen I think fits into this formation. But like you say, there is that question mark over Ramsey. I don't think the best place for Ramsey would be in the midfield double pivot. Uh, I think if Allen slots in there with perhaps beside him and creates from deep and plays in the kind of way that Morel has played, uh, kind of shuttling passes, transitioning well, and, and you know adding the threat that he has maybe arriving late in the box, getting further up the pitch and playmaking like that, I think uh, Ramsey can take up a position either on the wing uh, or in behind uh, two forwards. If we look at Ramsey's time at Arsenal uh, in a 4-2-3-1, he was deployed a number of times uh, on the right wing with Messer Ozil down the centre. And while he's not the fastest player and he's not a traditional winger, what Ramsey does have 
is fantastic dribbling ability uh, and he will arrive late in the box and you know cut inside uh, and play off the shoulder of Kiefer Moore. So I think what Ramsey gives us is an option in that regard. And if we begin to view Bale less as a winger and more perhaps as a striker, what we have is a, de- a sense of depth kind of up front. There's someone behind Kiefer Moore other than Tyler Roberts who, you know, while I, I do rate him and I think he's going to be a good uh, future prospect, uh, isn't quite, you know, scoring the goals we need. We have Bale up front that makes space for Ramsey, Wilson, James and David Brooks on the wings. And suddenly our front line looks like it has a lot of depth without kind of removing from other areas of the pitch. So I think that's where Aaron Ramsey can fit into this formation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and now, so obviously uh, Euro 2020 slash 21 is a long way away, seven months or so. Um, but I thought we'd have a bit of fun and go through our respective Wales uh, 23-man squads uh, for uh, the tournament. Um, and so, starting with, let's assume three four three is going to be the main formation. Well, we don't have to. Um, goalkeepers, Danny Ward, Adam Davis, Wayne Hennessy. Can you see that changing at all? Assuming everyone's fit again. Uh, I, I don't see that changing. I, I, you, we've obviously got Owen Fong Williams uh, as another option, but I think realistically, uh, the one place where Wales perhaps don't have the depth where they do really need it is in goal. Um, so Wayne Hennessy, Ward, and uh, Davis. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be uh, that's realistically the three. And uh, obviously, um, Adam Davis unfortunately got a knock just before this international break, allowing Danny Ward to start all three games. Um, that also, in turn, means that Angus Gunn is going to get a run of uh, games for Stoke, which probably means that he's going to play very well and bench Adam Davis, which I think we both agree is a shame because we both thought back in that Davis could really challenge Hennessy for the starting spot. Yeah, I think I think the the uh, but I think it's the same with Danny Ward. Danny Ward at Euro twenty sixteen was deployed a couple of times. Yeah, uh, as a, as deputising for Hennessy. And while uh, I think personally, I hoped Ward would be a little bit better or kick on a bit further than he has. It's also very very important to remember that goalkeepers have a great deal more longevity than say a striker or even a attacking midfielder. Uh, you know, a striker at the age of 34 is well, well past it and, you know, is, is looking to retire. A goalkeeper at the age of 34 can still go and, you know, make a decent career out of himself for a good club and, you know, start every week, essentially. Um, so it's it's a case of, you know, we, we, Davis and, and Ward, I think those two need to be competing with each other to see who who's going to step into the role of Wayne Hennessy when he does eventually retire. And I think if those two compete with each other, if Davis perhaps gets a bit more club football, um, those two can kick on. They're still in goalkeeper years relatively young. So hopefully uh, those two will step up. I think as Hennessy chases down uh, both Chris Gunter's cap record, but also the 100 uh, cap record, which is uh, which has eluded any Welsh player uh, so far in the history, maybe knocking around for a while. Um, so moving on to uh, centre-backs, um, 
despite the uh, very good performance last night, we've obviously had our private chats. Um, you, you're not a huge fan of uh, James Lawrence. I'm not. Um, I think I think in terms of it's, it's it's less something kind of personal against James Lawrence, more that I think we simply have better options. Um, I think yeah. uh, I think if if we if we allow that everyone in the team is fit, uh, everyone is fit and available in seven months' time, uh, and we're playing a three-man back line. I think for me, the starting three have got to be. Joe Roden, Metham, and uh, Ben Davis as a back three. Uh, Ooh, ben Davis in the back three. three. That's, that's how. That's Ooh. how I would look at that. Um, where Ben Davis yeah. as a as a player um, is a really interesting one. I think he's such a useful player for Wales because while he is a left back and he is a very attacking left back, he also stands at six foot two. Uh, he's a very, very, he's, 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 you know, 28, 29 years old. So he's got plenty of experience under his belt. Um, but you know, he was, he was deployed in a back three under Chris Coleman and in the, the very memorable game against Portugal, when we got knocked out of Euro 2016, he was suspended as was Aaron Ramsey and replaced by James Collins, um, obviously a much more traditional kind of bruising center back, very, very no nonsense player, James Collins. (laughs) And what one thing that was severely lacking in that side and in that game against Portugal was the passes that could be made from the back line to the forwards or to the midfield or to the wing backs, which at the time were Gunter and Taylor, allowing them to then play diagonal passes up to advance the ball up the field. Now, it wasn't just Gunter and Taylor that played those diagonal passes. Ben Davis was able to play those diagonal passes as well, which meant that the transition became much quicker. Without him, the tra- transition slowed down. James Collins, you know, it, it's no kind of skin off his nose to say that he couldn't play those those long raking passes. So it's a case of having a player like uh, Ben Davis in that three-man back line, both physically imposing, very, very experienced, alongside the less experienced, but still, still very good, Roden and Metham, gives us a whole new dimension to our defence and to our attacking transition. So Ben Davis has got to start in that back line for me. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Welsh centre-backs, uh, I was going to bring up uh, Tom Lockyer, but uh, Louis Jacques, uh, who obviously owns a Tom Lockyer Charlton shirt, has uh, just joined us. Uh, how are you, Louis? Yeah, we're going to let that out. Oh, I was mainly yeah. just listening along to it uh, as an entertainment. Nice. And uh, so, so Shiri is, is back up uh, Tom Lockyer and Ashley Williams yeah. for character. Yeah, I would, I would well. definitely have Lockyer as, as, as the, the backups in that squad. Lockyer, um, Cabango, and yeah, I, I'd say Ashley Williams um, for just pure leadership quality. Yeah. You know, you, you don't expect him to play, but as someone who's going to come into the, uh, a changing room full of very young players, um, maybe knock some head together at half time when, when things aren't going well. Um, and, you know, kind of having him in the in and around the camp, kind of showing players, you know, if, when the chips are down, this is how you cope with it. This is how this is how you kind of, you know, sort things out. This is, you know, he, he brings the squad together. I think he's, he's got a big, big voice, big personality. So Ashley Williams, do you want to be in there for me? 
And uh, obviously, uh, with your petition to get Ben Davis in at left centre back, uh, trusting Reece Norting Davis to start. Yeah, um, he's a young player. He's a good young player, and he's really kicking on. Um, you know, obviously his club football hasn't been uh, at the highest level, but uh, it's it's the same with a lot of players, um, both in the Wales squad now and historically with the Wales squad. Uh, mm. The Wales has for a very long time been characterised by a team that is more than some of its parts. And Norrington Davis, I think he's, he's really beginning to impress on the left flank for me. Um, and I think if you give him more time in a, what is a new and unfamiliar role, I think he's only going to get better. Um, well, yeah, yeah. For the March squad, I'd quite like to see Joe Jacobson. Obviously, he's over 30 uh, now, but still yet to get his first uh, senior Wales cap. And he's been brilliant for Wickham uh, so far this season. And uh, can also, also has a quality set piece on him, um, which for tournament football is... Uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting choice. I've, I've seen Joe, Joe Jacobson's mm-hmm. career over a number of years, um, and I've always been a big fan of, of his free kicks. You know, he's, it's no doubt he's a fantastic yeah, yeah. free kick taker. And yes, he's doing very well for Wickham. I think it'd be interesting to, perhaps in a couple of friendlies, give him a chance, um, see how he does, see whether mm-hmm. or not he really adds... Uh, something to the squad um, and you know see where that goes but uh, I think it's I think for Joe Jacobson it's a bit of a left field choice uh, I, I, I like you say yeah. he is over 30 um, it's not like he's a young player who's up and coming who could be given a chance in the case of you know Norrington Davis is a relative unknown but he's 21 you know Morel Vorks these are all kind of younger players who are getting an opportunity but it'd be interesting I think it'd be interesting to see and uh, Nico or Robert? Uh, maybe I'm biased, uh, but for me, it's got to be Connor Roberts. Uh, he, 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 you know, he's he's not only is he a Swansea player, but there's definitely a sense of Connor Roberts that he's a fantastic athlete. Um, incredible, incredible work rate. And as we've seen with him and Jake Bidwell on the other flank for Swansea this season, when he's played in a right wing back role, he is really, really unlocked. Um, you know, fantastic going forward, really, really good defensively. Um, and he's got a good cross on him. And so for me, um, I think Nico Williams offers a really good backup option. And maybe in a couple of years' time, um, Nico Williams might take the top spot off Connor Roberts. Um, but right now, it's got to be Connor Roberts for me. I, I agree. Roberts is the um, easy understanding with uh, Rodan exactly, Mango yeah. as well. Uh, in, uh, international football is very important. Then centre mids, Joanne, Joe Morrell, uh, Aaron, Aaron Ramsey, Ethan Ampadu again, uh, flooded with options in the middle. But uh, who? what's your ideal double pivot? For me, that's got to be Ampadu and Allen. Um, I think if you have Ampadu and Allen in there, Ampadu's played. Uh, every minute of every game uh, this year, all six of the games that we've had. Uh, so, and Ampadu's fantastic. You know, very good at playing the simple passes to move the ball on in the transition. Very good at breaking things up in the defensive phase. Um, you know, he's played a lot as a centre back. He's, he's quite a relatively imposing, and I can imagine that as he gets older, he's only going to get. You know, he's a very young guy at the minute. He'll he'll get bigger. He'll put on a bit of weight. He'll perhaps get a little bit taller. Um, and kind of become a more imperious player. But Ampadu gives us a real kind of strength in the midfield. We saw against Finland as well. He's also not too bad at getting into more 
advanced positions um, and playing short, simple passes there. Um, so, yeah, Ampadu, Allen. Allen, you know, what do I need to say about him? Um, Welsh Pirlo, everyone knows his quality. Absolutely fantastic player, former Swan, um, and one of our best players. So, it's got to be Allen Ampadu. Best player at Euro 2016. Joe Allen for me. Uh, yes. Best Welsh player. Um, and then for front three, um, Bale James Moore, or are we going to try and shoehorn Aaron Ramsey? For me, yeah, it, it, it's. So perhaps maybe harsh on David Brooks and Harry Wilson and Kiefer Moore, but it's got to be James Ramsey and Bale for me. Uh, it's it's like, it's very much a case of, but I I think that front three is probably the least kind of set area of this team. Um, everywhere yeah. else, I'm I'm pretty sure about who our best players are in those positions and and kind of you know the which players should be starting and which players should be uh, on rotation. But the front three, I think, is very, very uh, up for debate. It really depends on the kind of backline you're coming up against. If you're coming up against a big, physically imposing backline and you're aware that you know it's going to be a tough game, you're going to need to hold the ball up, then of course Kiefer Moore should start. Um, but you know, it's it's and you know, if you want more width, then pull Ramsey back, push him maybe into the midfield, and bring on Dybrooks or. Harry Wilson, if you need less width, you need someone to cut inside, then of course Ramsey can play that role. Uh, Dan James, you know, very, very energetic player. I think he's probably the best out of our wingers um, in terms of Brooks and uh, Wilson. And putting an absolutely fantastic performance against Finland. So I think it's a very, it's a fluid front three that could change greatly depending on the opposition. Right. I think that kind of runs us through uh, the Wales chat. And uh, we can move on to uh, League A2, uh, which has three teams uh, close to the hearts of our people on this pod. England with, uh, well, all of us, I guess. And uh, Louis with uh, Belgium and Denmark. Uh, Louis, I'm guessing you watched the uh, Belgium-Denmark game last night. Um, it, was a, it was a good affair. It was a nice, nice to watch, to be honest. I'm always on my knee. I'm always sort of, you know, on the edge of my nerves for those sort of games. But um, well, those sort of, we only, we've only had two so far. But um, another one to come of the Euros as well. And um, no, it was, a, it was a good affair. A lot tighter than the scoreline suggested, but um, certainly made for good watching. Uh, yes, thankfully you can't be in the same uh, World yeah. Cup qualifying group. Uh, obviously, you can Belgium both and put one. Uh, Louis, you had a you had a big rant uh, post England defeat. Uh, in October, uh, about Roberto Martinez and his um, being stuck in his way of a weird lopsided three-four-three, yeah. three. um, and uh, has, has, has uh, either of the two uh, wins over November changed that at all, or are you still inherently well, skeptical? I don't think the wins have changed that. I think he, he's changed how we play. Um, you know, to yeah. became the reason for those wins. Um, we we haven't played a three-four-three three in a while now. Thank God. And I don't think for the foreseeable future we will be. Um, it looks like, you know, we'll be sticking to, to a 4 3 3, which is what we played against Denmark. And, or rather, yeah. should I say, what Belgium played against us. And, and I think the England game was the last sort of tryout of the 3 4 3, and you know, real proof that it doesn't work. Um, and I, I could go on for years about why I just don't, I just don't think 3 4 3 works in modern football. 
in general as a rule. Um, but, you know, specific to the Belgian team, you have uh, a very, very strong midfield contingent and a very, very strong attacking contingent. And you need to be able to, you know, trot out your best players or opportunities. You need, uh, ideally, you know, come next summer, um, Mertens, Eden Hazard and Lukaku on the field. De Bruyne, Elements, and anyone else in midfield. And you're not going to play Tielemans and De Bruyne in midfield too. That's a disgustingly bad pivot. It just doesn't work. Because one of them is going to have to sit back and the other one's going to have to attack. And De Bruyne, sending De Bruyne out and attack, you know, shoveling him out there, making him run, has ruined Belgium's chances at any international tournament, you know, for the last six years. Wasn't that Adnan Yenazai? Sorry? Was about Adnan Yenazai. That's true, he, he did ruin that. But, um, but as a rule... <laughs> Putting De Bruyne in the front three or or in a pivot is, you know, ruin, takes out the aspect of him being, well, I mean, takes out an engine from Belgium midfield. Witzel does that amazingly well. Yeah. Um, Tielemans can sometimes do that very well, but De Bruyne definitely doesn't do that, right? He, he does not run with the ball. Um, the man, I mean, apart from that one counter against Brazil, that was quite funny. Um, but the, I mean, the, the man is made for finding a pocket of his space himself, getting the ball there, and then working his magic. It, it, it's not about you know making him shore up all the running work, and that's a, that was a really really bad idea. We stuck with that for way too many years. Um, same goes for him bringing an attack, right? You waste his, you waste all of his ability by putting him in attack, and you waste the the talent we've got on the bench. I'm now convinced that Dries Mertens perhaps does deserve a spot on the Belgium team. I thought that Torgan Hazard deserved it a little bit more than him, but Mertens has been doing you know doing his part lately. And I always err on the side of caution when it comes to good form. But you know what? Good form should pay off if, you, if you're a football player um, and you're playing well. That should pay off fundamentally. So I think that's good. That, that, that's convinced me, at least for the next few games, the next few friendlies, that he should play. And if he continues to prove himself, then he should start. And then fundamentally, um, the defenders we have are only made for a back four. Um, you don't play Dedrick Boyata with you know, two very experienced centre-halves of the likes of Alderweireld and Vertonghen, nor do you play uh, Denier with them. You play those two together because they've been playing together for so long. And then you let them distribute to two very good wing-backs. In this case, we have very good wing-backs in Muni and Castang. Um, I'm very happy that Castang has come out as such a good player, especially because, you know, prior to last year, I was thinking, oh, we may have to play Vertonghen at left-back. Um, but no, we've got Kassang and Meunier, and those are you know fixed in as our two best fullbacks. And we do have options if you know Vertonghen or Alderweireld get injured. But the issue is when you play with the back with the back three, um, either you want a libero so that the two others can move upfield, or um, you're playing you know three very versatile uh, central defenders. And a midfielder who can come out, who can come back and help them shore out the defence in case of counter, um, so the two of them can move out further wide. And while Vertonghen plays well at left back and Alavero plays well at right back, which you know quite ironic from the both of them considering they're both centre backs, um, it it just doesn't make for a versatile midfield, right? Putting all of the central defensive burden on someone like Denier means that any t- literally any team could get a pass on the counter. I rate Denier, I think he's great. I think if one of Vertonghen or Alderweireld get injured, 
you would step in and you know do enough of the job but it's not the same thing you need a really commanding presence in that in the middle of that sent in that back three and apart from company which was you know the plan a before he retired we don't have anyone else who does that at all and I think it just proves that you know the, the squad itself is not suited to playing a three four three. Let alone the fact that the three four three doesn't actually work to break down any opponents. Um, I think just for a while it was Martinez's best way of trotting out his eleven players that he liked the most. But yeah, it it, it it's tried and failed as a technique. I think another one of um, the biggest positives to come out of the slightly weird twenty twenty. Uh, of internationals for Belgium, though, has been um, uh, Lukabakio yes. and Jeremy Doku. Um, uh, obviously, in the 2018 World Cup, but really at Euro 2016, I think, um, you know, the, uh, the strength in depth for yeah. Belgium was a big issue, especially on the flanks. Um, but it's good to know that, like, um, at least in the group stage, like Lukabakio or Doku could, like, step in and do a, you know, uh, do a job. Uh, should like Dorganazard or Mertens or even not be... Uh, well, there's a duality to that. And um, I think that's a fantastic point because 2016, obviously, we served Mark Wilmots. And Mark Wilmots was not only an idiot, but he insisted on never playing anyone for the Pro League. Well, on this podcast. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it, it it's silly when national team managers refuse to play anyone from their national leagues, especially when you're a very good one, like the Pro League. The Pro League has a lot of talent, a lot of talent. Um, you know, people always call League One the League of Talents, but half of those players end up coming over from the Pro League to League One teams. And Child. I think, in truth, yeah, we we lacked depth, and there were lots of no names. And I was... Louis, just to clarify, by League One, yes, the French, the French League. Yeah, I, I, I realised that <laughs> EFL <laughs> League One isn't quite the League I'm, of Talents. I'm I'm all for Louis' uh, anglification of uh, French uh, pronunciation. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't think uh, the EFL League one is the League of Talents, to be honest. Um, no, but I think, yes, there was a lack of depth already. But you have to be, you know, ready and willing to, to delve into the Pro League. And Martinez said, OK, we'll take a shot on them. 2018, obviously, we had, I'd say, mixed depth. You know, Yanuzai was our weirdest call and he was he was OK. He was, I think he was a sociedad at the, at the time. You know, he's just sort of, he was an average player. Obviously, he came along to ruin the World Cup, but that's a different story. And then, yeah, coming out of the World Cup, I was like, okay, we may have a good contingent now, um, but I'm worried about the future of our squad, especially in defence. And no, a lot of players have come out and proven me wrong, especially because lots of them moving, have moved sorry, to big leagues. Um, Den Donker moving to Leicester. Lots of players moved to Leicester, ironically. Um, Dendonka and Gastang both moving to Leicester both being very very good and in general you know us proving okay we can rotate uh, from this golden generation to perhaps you know another not not a star studded but also a very talented generation Doku is someone who I'm very very impressed by I think that he should come a year's time merit a place on the bench not just in the squad but on the bench for uh, for the Euros, should be rotated in. And yeah, it, we always have one or two freak injuries before tournament. Somebody's going to be going to be out. Likely it is going to be Hazard yeah. again. And we could play his brother. We could play Doku. 
But I think either way, you know, I'd be very, very content with whoever it is lining up. And yeah, I think depth issues aren't exactly solved because we're not in a place like England are where you can say, okay, this squad is set for the next 10 years. Um, But we're definitely in a better place than we were a little while back and in a much better place than Germany were coming out of 2016, where Germany really had absolutely dog shit. They, 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 they didn't have many options. Um, They're in, yeah, that was, um, that's one of Joachim Löw's worst bits of um, management. Obviously, like he literally calls up an entirely yeah. new squad who absolutely ball out at the Confederations Cup and in qualifying. Um, gets, you know, all the optimism back after a, just a pretty poor Euro 2016 from them. Um, and then when it comes to, you know, selecting their 2018 World Cup squad, just fucks yeah. them all off anyway. <laughs> um, uh, and stays with uh, Mario Gomez <laughs> up front. Um, I think, uh, I mean, international football at the best of times, or at least individual games, um, you know, extremely intense preparation, specific tactical prep, scouting. Um, you know, international managers have so much time on their hands that they can, you know, learn the opposition inside out. And obviously with um, Belgium's uh, opponents in the group stage of uh, Euro 2020, Denmark and Russia are two sides who know them inside out. I mean, played, you know, Denmark twice now. Uh, Russia, obviously, um, in uh, qualifying, normal qualifying. Um, and so having uh, new options to blood yeah. into the squad uh, will be important to, you know, uh, add another tactical uh, dimension uh, to the game. Um, Lou, help me with the uh, pronunciation on the fella, Alexis Salamakis. Salamakis, yeah. that Very fella. Um, he's been playing, yeah, he's been playing a few games for AC Milan yeah. right back uh, so far this season. Is that is that um, a potential uh, spanner in the works for Tom Mernier? No. Um, I think I think healthy rotation is what you need. There was literally no one behind Mernier as an option at right back. Uh, and he, he's currently out, so you know, I, yeah. I I'm very happy that Salemakers is a is a really good option. We can and, and he hasn't played he hasn't played yet for the national team, so I do want to see him you know get a few runs out. But hmm. yeah, no, I think I think it's just a question of rotation. You know, give a year's time, maybe there'll be a bit more of a question whether who should start. Uh, but we only have X many friendlies before the Euros actually happen. Well, me. Two friendlies plus three qualifiers in March for the World Cup. Um, I was uh, also, I, I think this has been a brilliant 2020 for Belgium, um, just because um, obviously we've talked about the promise coming through, but this quote unquote golden generation, so much as I despise the term, yeah. isn't going to last forever. And they're, they're not going to remain top of the FIFA rankings forever, is what I'm saying. Uh, so it's good for them to build up their points now so that in future uh, draws so they remain in a pot one. Uh, on the other side of coin of uh, last night's uh, game and going to the maternal wing uh, of your mm. family, Louis, let's mm. talk about Denmark. Um, and uh, let's talk about Danish oh, strikers. Uh, <laughs> as we love to do, uh, we had a quick chat about um, uh, Jonas Vint uh, on one of our group chats uh, last night. Maybe I'm not going to say that if that he's the new saviour of uh, Danish football, but 
uh, a good option to have at the Euros, at least. No, I think I th he deserves to be called up for the Euros. I'll give it absolutely give it that. Um, yeah. I'm not taking anything away from him or discrediting him, right? However, yeah. um, we, I, I, I think I've said it many times before. Denmark just doesn't does not have a history of strikers whatsoever, let alone good ones. Um, and Nicholas Bentner is unironically, all jokes aside, probably the best striker we've had in a very long time. And yeah, him, him and Young, him and who? Probably, yeah, uh, yeah, well, Thompson. yeah. And oh. and I think that's all illustrates the issue we have at Stanford because we have a lot of big blokes with very shiny heads who can sort of knock a ball around. Um, <laughs> Thomas, but when it comes to actually, you know, play, when it comes to Good movement, which is a very important thing for a striker, especially in national tournaments, where it is tight and squeaky, and you know you have narrow games, and illustrate that by you know by our tournament twenty eighteen, right? Um, most of our games, most of our goals came from Christian Eriksen, um, and virtually none of our goals came from strikers. Why? Because we would lump up Andreas Cornelius or Nikolai Jansen, and they would sort of stand around in the opposition box for a bit, and they take their cues more from one of the opposing centre-backs than from anything our team was actually doing and never really get into any dangerous spots. And whenever they could do anything, um, just like our good friend Nikolai Jurgensen had a chance to put the game to bed against France, um, they never actually did. And look, that's just, a, that's just an issue we've always had with strikers. I think Jonas Vint looks basically the same as Cornelius and Jurgensen anyway. I mean, they're all massive six foot five blonde guys and they all play somewhat the same brand of football now i think Jonas Vin maybe has got you know he's, he may have something else in his locker that we yet to see uh he's got a bit of pace on him which is very lovely um but again sort of thing where i'm not exactly convinced um we need to be building our team a lot more around um moving it fast and then putting it to the edge of the box um because we have a lot of good finishers around the edge of the box daniel bass can put it from anywhere Nessa Schooner should be getting call-ups. No idea why he isn't, because he can put in the in the back of the net from anywhere. Ericsson obviously plays his heart out for Denmark every time. Thomas Delaney as well can hit a long shot like anyone, like it's no one's business. Put it on the edge of the box, um, and then I think we're in business. And that's where we do have, you know, very able players to move the ball very quickly uh, upfield. Pion Sisto obviously with one-on-ones, um, with some fantastic wing-back options now. And... I, I I don't want to speak too much about him, but Martin Wi-Fi is okay, I guess. Um, well, I I would just uh, on on the point of your new uh, batch of uh, brilliant uh, hmm. wing backs, uh, obviously with your four-three-three, uh, which kind of morphs occasionally into a four-three-three-one. Yeah. Um, the players normally on the flanks are either Yusuf Paulsen or Martin yeah. Braithwaite. Um, is the lack of width? An issue there, obviously, with them sort of playing as like uh, in or really often like in the half spaces or even on the centre back. Uh, it's kind of like wide, weird, wide target men in like a sort of undefined, weird tactical role. If you see, it can be an issue. I, th I, I agree, especially because I mean, these three guys are all strikers, right? If you ask them where they would love to play, yeah. all three of them are strikers, and that that can create problems so far. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Wi-Fi or Paulson in general. However, 
making the best of a bad lot. I still think Sisto should start, and that that's despite my own you know favoritism. Yeah. I genuinely think that, you know you need no no yeah you need I someone agree. to complete one on ones, and he does that, and no one else really does. But you know, Paulson does get goals and assists for Denmark. Less so now, but around the World Cup, he was doing a very good job of doing so. And I think that there's something to be said about Ullmann's, you know, slow tactical transition to what he wants. And you can sort of see it, right? We have a fantastic defence, one of the best in Europe. And the midfield, you know, he's, 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 it seems like he's settling on his options. And when it comes to those front three, then, the question is, okay, what are you sacrificing? Do you sacrifice by by picking the current front three? Do you sacrifice um, traditional width, where you have guys who are very very used to sticking to the line, uh, getting one on ones or playing a one two with a wing back, or do you sacrifice, you know, the the ability and the talent that Martin Wi-Fi and Yusuf Paulson automatically bring to the team because they're just among our most experienced and talented players, and right now. I can tell why he prefers the ability and the talent. We are scraping through games. I still don't believe enough in this team to, you know, for us to achieve what might be our potential. However, um, it is a question of a transition when you get a new coach. And I think he's still finding out what the squad looks like. And you, you, you can't forget that we do have some, some other options on the wing. And, you know, if, if you start... If you get back to starting yeah. Sisto, he's only been back in the Super League for, for a matter of months, only about two months, three months now. And maybe Victor Fisher, maybe... Uh, I was going been... to impress Andre Scott Olsen. Hmm? Scott, uh, uh, yeah, maybe Scott uh, Olsen, yes. Um, uh, you know, those guys are all... They're all good. Um, but time and place comes, you know, for them to test their test their ability. Nations League was not the one because we actually really need to do well in the Nations League. And now we have a bit of time and to do so. You, um, you did need to do well in the Nations League and uh, well you have done. I mean, being a top seed uh, for the World Cup draw is absolutely yeah. massive uh, for you. I mean, like there is there is literally zero possibility for Denmark now of having an insurmountable group for automatic qualification. Yeah. Um uh, well, apart from big. shooting ourselves uh, in the foot, and that—that's—that's that's a very, very good thing. Um. Well, and it, it's important to you know Denmark. Um, they—they they, they tend not to do well when said chances are given to them. I yes. mean, um, you know, uh, beating Portugal and Sweden to top spot for 2010 World Cup qualifying um, was extremely impressive, both when Portugal and Sweden were at high ebbs, um, and yet you know only a late run of form from a bit of Olga Haraida magic saved them yep. from a group where Poland. Romania were the other strongest teams and for Euro 2020 qualifying I mean Switzerland and Ireland was a fairly kind group as well um, they also managed to squeak through that um, obviously uh, Belgium, Russia and Finland being Denmark's group opponents uh, Russia is as we know is the crunch yeah. game uh, it is in Copenhagen yeah. um, but, uh, but I think that the points you're making it become even more pertinent when considering that I mean especially against Russia's uh, gerontocratic <laughs> uh, defence of uh, Yuri Zhirkov and uh, Berezutsky and the forty-year-old boys uh, still. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's that's where you, exactly that's where you train the team to play on the counter, and that's where yeah, if you can manage to get some good runs out with the likes of Skolson, Sisto, Vint, who are all three very quick players, 
put them three up front, test them in a friendly, see how that works out. Then, yeah, maybe that's worth taking a shot on against Russia at the Euros. Because then, you know, if that doesn't work, um, if you sub on Whitefight and or Yusuf Poulsen in the last 20 uh, and they have fresh legs, well, then they can really make an impact because they are very experienced players. Um, yeah, and uh, do, do you think that um, uh, Huyberg, Delaney and uh, Ericsson are set in stone as a midfield three? Or do you think uh, the, the Brentford contingent, uh, no. as it were, could make... I think if anyone there. sneaks in, it might be Lesser Shuna. Um, yeah. Occasionally. Uh, at least from the bench. But mm. he's at the top of the backups list, and it's very much a backups list. Those three are set in stone. Um, yeah. You know, you... you Hoybier and Eriksson are more so than Delaney. Those two you're just never going to remove from the team. Their pedigree, yeah. their talent, that both of them are... I would say, you know, those two and Schmeichel were the best three players in the team. And <clears throat> then Delaney, he, he has never set a foot wrong for Denmark. And we have a canon rule. Uh, it's almost in the constitution. Hat-trick in Armenia. Yes. Uh um, we have a canon rule in, in Denmark, and it's almost in the constitution, that you must always play one box-to-box midfielder who passes the ball sideways. And the baton has seemed <laughs> to be passed to Thomas Delaney. Um, we've had so many across the years. Mikael Korn-Daly, who, was, who, was, who did that very well. Yeah. Um, Willem Chris was incredible passing the ball backwards. And now it seems to be Thomas Delaney's turn, and he hasn't set a foot wrong, so... Uh, I, I wouldn't see anyone stepping in for any of them. The only thing is that, you know, Lesser Schoen is great, but his profile is extremely similar to a certain Christian Eriksen. And, yeah. you know, that that's an inherent problem. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it, it's just another, like, slightly iffy um, uh, question mark over the Danish team. It's not necessarily to do with um, the quality of the personnel. Yeah, so so uh, for your fullbacks uh, picks, um, yeah, Mela and Dalsgaard, Nissen Christensen and Mela, Scoven, Nissen Christensen. What 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 would you go for? Ideally, in my world, it's Nissen Christensen and Trigger Larsen. Trigger Larsen's um, still in there, but boy, I I yeah, Trigger Larsen still merits a spot. I don't know. I think who, he does. I don't know who thinks he's he a great squad player. Uh, I I think I think he deserves to start. Um. Mela is good. Um, not taking that away from him, and I, I, I'm not going to be disappointed, especially because we have four fantastic options there, right? You've just gone through, mm. um, and I wouldn't be disappointed with any combo of the four. And I'm very, very glad that Nissan Christensen is finally getting call ups and should finally be getting games at the next international break. But that's my ideal too. I think realistically we're going to be seeing uh, Dauscard and Mela. But any combination, to be honest, any combination, because they don't have to match each other. They don't have to be similar profiles or anything like that. Um, they just have to work with whoever's up yeah. front. And Nissan Christensen works really, really well with one of our big lumpy header strikers. Um, yeah. And Trio Lassen does as well. Lassen, again, I don't know why everyone's forgotten that Trio Lassen was incredible at the World Cup. You know, when it, when it does actually matter, he's very, very good. Um, not, to mas- not to mention... Because we seem to have forgotten him, Riza Dumizi. Right? Yeah, left footer as well. Left footer um, was fantastic at Betis. Mm. Is now at Nice. Yes, he is indeed. 
and he's they had do. some injury well, problems, which he often does. But the thing is, right? If if because he only played, I think, four games or five games for Nice, um, but he often has injury problems. And the thing is, if he's just not injured when the Euros come around, it will be a travesty for Yulman to not include him in the squad. And I reckon he he might just merit a starting place in one of the games. I uh, I, I think on um, Nissan Christensen and Skov, um for both of their respective uh, club sides, um, uh, the, the Austrian club that shall not be named, and uh, Hoffenheim, uh, not quite a, as repulsive uh, a club, but still not the best. Um, both uh, obviously mm-hmm. playing uh, as fullbacks in a four-two-two-two, four magic square two, as I call it. So yes. you know, both of them uh, are getting used to you know really having to provide the majority of width, getting up. Um, uh, and again, if Denmark are to have this fairly narrow front three, um, that will uh, serve them uh, serve them in uh, in very good uh, good stead for that. Um, do you think Denmark could beat Belgium to top spot? No, that was, um, oh, that was an alarmingly quick no. No, no, no. I think I, I... look. Denmark have a good squad and a good number of players, yeah. right? Um, however, fundamentally, the the issues around the attack that we've talked about are very, 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 very difficult to to overcome. Um, right? We 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 still don't have, and we've been trying for a while now. We still don't have a front three we're really comfortable with, or who are really comfortable, you know, playing together. And while we have a front three who've played, you know, a lot of games together, yeah. Um, have they been doing the best to get out, you know, have they been getting the best out of this squad? I wouldn't say so. Have they been getting as much of our potential as possible? Not really. And the question is, right, um, while our defence and midfield and our goalkeeper are all really, really good and they all pay, they all fit the bill, um, will we have a defence, will we have an attack who's good enough come Euro 2020 um, to beat out Russia, first of all, that's the first full mm. test. Belgium, no, because uh, while there are a few teams who can carve up our defence, like Belgium did last night, mm. very good job. Um, I, th- I reckon the defence will be even more solid come the Euros, but the attack just won't do anything. The attack is on. The attack is is okay at the occasional opportunity, and I think in terms of what Lee Bowyer uh, loves from football, um, which is taking your chances when they come. Um, and which he hates about his squad. Denmark does that all right. We get a very limited number of chances per game, but when, when they do come, we do take them. Did it well in qualifying, actually. Yeah. yeah. But it's about finding those chances. And and they are few and far, but a lot more few and far between for Denmark, I'd say, than any other, you know, top top seeder team um, for World Cup qualifying. Um, and... That at the Euros, you know, the, at the Euros, you don't get as you don't get as many chances to prove that. You, it, it, it's a question of individual games. It's a question of ninety-minute games where you're going to have single-digit, you know, opportunities to put the ball in the back of the net, where it's really in the opposition box. And you know, against Belgium, you, we'll probably have three chances in the box, and we'll, we'll miss all three of them. And I think that, that that's that'll be the story of that game. Um, but then in further rounds. It's just about the luck of the draw and, you know, the luck of, okay, well, 
very winnable game for you is um, in the last 16 because it's second against second, so likely uh, Switzerland, Turkey or Wales. Um, yes. So that's yes. Very... My money's on... My money's on Turkey at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, we'll uh, we'll discuss that closer. Uh, two uh, things coming off that. Um, I, I've talked about that group as if Finland don't exist, but um, Finland have proven to me over the, well during all of their twenty twenty fixtures, they're a lot better than I thought. Um, they're actually pretty good, uh, which is actually kind of weirding me out, and I'm quite confident that they'll take points off one of Russia or Denmark. I'm not sure who. Um, but they are not like a North Macedonia and Group C, if that makes sense. Um, like yeah. they are, they are actually quite decent. Um, well, what I reckon they could do is they can take they they're going to take points off yeah. someone. I don't think they're going to do much with their points, but I reckon they can no, take no, points no. off. off um, and uh, forgive me if this comes across as a bit churlish. Uh, it's not meant to be. Um, you know, it's not meant to be rubbing the salt in the wombs of um, three missed penalties <laughs> of twenty and twenty eighteen. Well, oh, slash dear. four missed penalties. No, 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 three missed penalties. Sorry. Yeah, three missed um, penalties. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you you say you know you're worried about about the knockout stages, but I mean, is is it not a bad plan to just you know get a nil nil and hope the for back. the best? Well, practice and then hope for the best with penalties. Yeah, I I remember 2018. We just didn't practice penalties. Really? Was that all um, either going yeah, no. like, no, you got practice penalties? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, all go, well, I think what it was like everyone like everyone said like, don't no, no, don't worry, trust me, I, I'll I'll score my penalty. Like when they were flying yeah. out to camp, and he said, well, this okay, is fine. so frustrating uh, because like you've got literally one of the best penalty savers in the world in goal. But I mean, if you look at our penalty shooting lineup yeah. as well, they're all that the names were all like that. You know, dead on to score their penalties. Yeah. It was shocking they missed. Mm. Um, no, I reckon sitting back and waiting for penalties might be a very, very good technique for the Euros. Um, could definitely make dividends. We'll make some very boring I really games, do, but because like I, I look at the penalty takers that you have in your squad, and I look at Schmeichel and goal. And yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh we're, t- we're, we're we're. I think we probably become the team to f- the team to fear on penalties. Yeah. Um, I would stand by that actually. Any day. And yeah, I think we just need to work on you know a little bit more composure when it comes to the penalty takers. Yeah. Um, but, uh, was was Ericsson one of those who? Yeah, he was. Um, super sitch yeah. hand and then off the post and out. And he went bottom yeah. bottom left. Um, That's all. But this is what I've said about like uh, England as well. Like, I mean, get get Dean Henderson in for the shootout, and like we've actually got like one of the best penalty lineups you could dream for. That's true. Uh, so yeah, no, it's possible. It's only about not losing control of the game, and that that that's the only thing I sort of fear a little bit. Because um, so far, Ullman's substitutions have been less than inspiring. Um, and if it's about shoring out a nil-nil or a one-one over 120 minutes, then you need to have a little bit more there. Yeah, you you definitely do. Um, well, uh, thank you very much, Louis. Thank you for a great show. To talk more about the Nations League and other international football. But if not, thank you very much. Yes, guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk about the domestic football next week after it resumes. And uh, we'll see you all again. Thank you for listening. Bye.